Formula One is back. Ten teams, fielding 20 drivers, are about to do battle for 36 weeks with one goal in mind, becoming champions of the world. The most dramatic championship in all of sports has finally returned to once again add drama, excitement, and conversation back into our lives after making us all fend for ourselves these past three months. Will Max Verstappen repeat as World Drivers Champion? Will Mercedes' insane World Constructors Championship winning streak finally end? Are Ferrari and McLaren officially back? Will Haas finish in the points? Will Charles Leclerc somehow get even hotter? I mean, hotter. I mean, hotter. I mean, faster. All these questions and more will be answered in the coming months. And the Formula Bone F1 show will be here with you all season long to take in the majesty that will surely, surely be the 2022 Formula One season. Let's ride, baby. You know what it is. This is the Formula Bone F1 show. J-Bone! Welcome back to the Formula Bone F1 show, the Formula One podcast that is here to keep you company before, during, and after every single race of the 2022 F1 season. I'm Jared Borislow, but you can call me J-Bone. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and away we go. Today's main topic, previewing the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix. First things first, let's get to know the circuit at which the Grand Prix will be taking place. That is the Bahrain International Circuit in Sakir, Bahrain. Bahrain, by the way, is an island nation in the Persian Gulf near where Saudi Arabia meets Qatar, which I think is something a lot of people, including me, were not aware of. I had no idea that Bahrain was an island. That is wild. So the circuit, the Bahrain International Circuit, was designed by Herman Tilke, the man who has designed and or renovated a ton of current, past, and future F1 circuits, such as Coda here in Austin, Texas, where I'm recording, uh, Jeddah Corniche, Baku, Sochi, Hanoi, and plenty, plenty of others. He is a very, very world-renowned F1 track designer. The Bahrain International Circuit held its first race in 2004, And that race was the inaugural Bahrain Grand Prix. It was won by Ferrari's Michael Schumacher from pole position. Fun fact, uh, the Bahrain International Circuit was actually not even fully completed when the 2004 Formula One Bahrain Grand Prix was held. F1 Supremo Bernie Ecclestone, who was CEO of the Formula One group at the time, told the Bahrain Grand Prix race organizers when they were behind on schedule that they were not going to be allowed to cancel the event. 
So really lit a fire under their butts being like, hey, so I know you're like kind of behind on the whole, you know, construction of this circuit, but yeah, you're not allowed to cancel it. So you, you need to just figure it out. And they did pretty much. They eventually figured it out. They had the circuit as ready as it needed to be to hold a Formula One race, but they did not have it fully completed in terms of all of the amenities at the racetrack, which kind of reminds me a little bit of that whole Jetta situation this past season when they're like, hey, we're leaving Brazil, headed to uh, Qatar. And yeah, the, the, the Saudi Arabian circuit's like not even barely started yet. It was, it was wild, but it worked out and we got a crazy, crazy race there. Uh, with a little bit of a brake test, if you look at the telemetry. So the Bahrain International Circuit was eventually completed fully after that race, and three years later, it actually went on to become the first Formula One circuit to be awarded the FIA Institute Center of Excellence Award, which acknowledges circuits with exceptional facilities related to driver safety. The Bahrain International Circuit is said to be the safest circuit in Formula One for a number of reasons, some of which really highlight Bahrain's focus on driver safety. First off, the Bahrain International Circuit has massive, massive runoff areas that drastically reduce the chances a driver collides with a wall. Of course, this is not always the case where a driver doesn't collide with a wall, as Roman Grosjean's Phoenix crash at the Bahrain International Circuit in 2020 demonstrated to all of us in extremely horrifying fashion. But I do think that the fact that Grosjean survived that insane crash adds even more credibility to this circuit's safety reputation, especially considering how quickly the medical car was able to arrive and support Roman Grosjean's car escape efforts. Secondly, by the way, the track surface in Bahrain contributes to driver safety because it was specially designed with specially selected Greywack aggregate that they like shipped in from the United Kingdom which is highly regarded because it is extra grippy, which counteracts the slippery effects of sand from the tracks surrounding desert. So they knew, obviously, you're building a circuit in the desert. Sand's going to be a big issue because there's sand all around the racetrack. So they made sure, first off, that they got the most grippy uh, track surface that they could possibly find. They also sweep the track extremely frequently, during race weekends to remove as much of the sand that makes its way onto the track as possible. And also speaking about sand, the race organizers, and I'm not making this up. They actually spray down the surrounding desert before race weekends with some sort of like adhesive substance to minimize the amount of sand that makes its way on to the track surface. So all of these, you know, driver safety related and just kind of like racetrack maintenance related to driver safety uh, thoughts and doings that the Bahrain International Circuit does contributed to them getting that award from the FIA and contributes to them being a very safe circuit. Again, as Roman Grosjean <laughs> can somehow tell you, it still blows my mind. If you watch replays of that crash that Roman Grosjean had in Bahrain, I cannot believe, cannot believe that he made it out of there relatively you know unscathed obviously definitely has some hand issues some burns but i mean compared to the eye test of what you would expect somebody who was in that crash to end up looking like unbelievable and truly a testament to where f1 is at 
uh, you know, Halo. Halo device definitely helped. I'll say that. Helped Lewis also in Monza, as Toto Wolf admitted in Drive to Survive, which we'll be reviewing. I will be giving my review of Drive to Survive at the end of this episode. Make sure you stay tuned for that. I binged the whole season, as I'm sure many, many of you did, uh, in between when it came out and today when I finished it. So, yeah, get excited for that. But back to the Bahrain International Circuit. The Bahrain International Circuit features 15 corners with four lengthy straights and a tight hairpin at turn 10. All of Bahrain's 15 corners are referred to by their corner number rather than a nickname, save for corner number one, which, ahead of the 10th anniversary of the Bahrain Grand Prix in 2014, was named in support of Michael Schumacher, the first ever Bahrain Grand Prix winner, as I mentioned earlier, who had suffered a near-fatal skiing accident months earlier. That same 2014 Bahrain Grand Prix was also the first Bahrain Grand Prix run at night under the lights instead of during the day. The night race in 2014 was such a hit with viewers as well as drivers, teams, and in-person spectators who all want to avoid the daytime desert heat, as one would expect, uh, that was such a hit that every race from 2014 on in Bahrain has been a night race. It is one of the very fun to watch night races on the F1 calendar, along with Singapore and now Saudi Arabia, uh, Yas Marina, Abu Dhabi. Very fun. I think night races are very cool looking. And also Qatar was at night as well. I believe we're not racing in Qatar this year, although it's been thrown around as potentially replacing the Russian Grand Prix. But it will be returning the following season. So an interesting fact about podium celebrations at the Bahrain International Circuit is that champagne is not allowed to be sprayed on the podium. It is illegal to drink alcohol in public in Bahrain, so instead of champagne, the drivers celebrate by spraying a non-alcoholic rose water drink called Ward. Also, due to Bahrain's alcohol restrictions, teams may not display alcohol sponsor logos at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Just a little Bahrain Grand Prix alcohol fun facts for you guys. A story that I think is important for me to tell to give proper context to the Bahrain Grand Prix and its status as a still controversial event is the story of the 2012 Bahrain Grand Prix. The FIA's decision to hold the 2012 Bahrain Grand Prix was referred to by the Independent as, quote, one of the most controversial in the history of the sport, end quote. This is because, at the time, a very large portion of the Bahraini people were still actively involved in Arab Spring protests against the Bahraini royal family, who they were accusing of racial discrimination, violence, torture, the silencing of dissenters, and a host of other atrocities. These protests had caused the cancellation, the full cancellation, of the 2011 Bahrain Grand Prix the year prior. And by the time 2012 rolled around, the protesters saw the planned 2012 race as an attempt by the Bahraini royal family to try and showcase that Bahrain is back to normal to the whole world, who would obviously be watching a global event like a Grand Prix. Um, and they thought that that was a BS because they're like, it's not back to normal and we don't want the Bahraini royal family to be able to showcase to the world that it is. Uh, a little bit of a sports washing controversy. Um, and so ahead of the 2012 Bahrain Grand Prix, 
after the protesters' calls for the race to be canceled were not heard by the FIA or by the Bahraini Racing Federation. Protesters held massive, massive protests specifically aimed at Formula One that turned violent and even deadly. The Grand Prix ended up going on as planned, and this Grand Prix and the events surrounding it are a definite major stain on Formula One's already dicey civil rights record. You may still see some protests surrounding the Bahrain Grand Prix this year, given its tumultuous history. So if you do, now you have some backstory. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is brought to you in part by a sponsor that I love and I'm super excited to have supporting the podcast, and that is Felix Gray Glasses. I'm literally wearing them on my face right now, and I cannot wait to tell you about them. The good folks at Felix Gray create effective, research-backed products to improve humans' relationships with technology. It all started five years ago when Felix Gray set out to create eyewear that would make it easier and more comfortable for humans to stare at screens. Why, you may ask? Because whether you like it or not, we all live in a digital world now, and that means we are forced to look at screens, screens, and more screens all day, every day. And the thing about all these screens is that they are wreaking havoc on our eyeballs and brains and causing things like eye strain, headaches, and blurry vision. The blue light emitted from these screens is the culprit, and Felix Gray's clear blue light lenses filter 15 times more blue light than other clear lenses. Nine out of 10 customers experience relief from eye strain, headaches, and or blurry vision when they put these things on. And Felix Gray glasses don't just do a great job protecting your eyes and brain from the evil of screens. They are also incredibly high quality and built to last. Their frames are lightweight and durable organic acetate and are hand finished in Italy. And their lenses are double-sided, anti-reflective, scratch-resistant, and have the blue light filtration infused within the lens material itself. Felix Gray's lame competitors, by the way, rather than infusing their filtration, often just put a blue light filtering sticker on top of crappy lenses, which obviously peels off and cracks and is something you can and should avoid entirely by shopping Felix Gray. If you're wondering, I'm currently wearing the Kepler frame, with the clear lens. Felix Gray also has sunglasses, which I have over here to my right, if you're watching the video on YouTube. And they also have amber blue light glasses in which I own the Nash and Hamilton frames, respectively. Felix Gray has both non-prescription and prescription glasses available. For those of you who already have prescription glasses but are ready for an upgrade, check out Felix Gray's full selection at felixgrayglasses.com fbone. That's F-E-L-I-X. G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash F-B-O-N-E, felixgrayglasses.com slash F-Bone, where you will have access to free shipping, free returns, and free exchanges for a completely risk-free shopping experience. Try them out. And if you don't like them for some reason, and I think you will, just help yourself do free shipping, returns, and exchanges. That's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash F-Bone. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to Felix Gray Glasses for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Continuing on, here are your storylines to follow for the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix. First up, are Mercedes sandbagging? After their newly debuted side pod deficient car underperformed at Bahrain testing relative to what we all expected, at least, Lewis Hamilton and George Russell have already come out and said that they do not expect the W13, their 2022 challenger, to be competing for race wins 
at the start of the season. Lewis actually claims to think that Ferrari have a great chance at a 1-2 in Bahrain based on what he has seen, which add Lewis to the list uh, of people that think that, which also contains every single Ferrari fan on earth. The Ferrari hype right now, the Tafosi are going bananas, okay? And sure, they're known to do this before every season, but this is different because they have people like Lewis who he might be sandbagging and making it up to in order to make themselves have a better chance, but you have a lot of hype, not just Lewis, not just, you know, Mercedes. You got the media, you got other teams saying Ferrari look amazing right now. So uh, the Tifosi, enjoy this while you have it because if Mercedes are sandbagging, like I think they might be, and might be a, not the best for your, you know, mental state after this weekend. Carlos Sainz, however, believes that Mercedes saying that, you know, oh, Ferrari could have a one-two. Our car isn't, isn't too good right now. Carlos Sainz thinks all this from Mercedes is just typical Mercedes sandbagging tactics of hyping up the competition and then blowing them out of the water immediately. I'm very excited to see if Mercedes are sandbagging. If you want my take... I honestly do not think Mercedes are sandbagging. Based on what I've seen at testing, it really does seem like their car needs to be developed a little bit more, and they just need some more data on it. I mean, if you if you look, they literally changed up completely their car from Barcelona to Bahrain. And when you do that, there's things that they just simply don't know about this new side podless car that they're going to need a little bit of time and some more data in order to figure out. And I, I truly, I do not think Mercedes are sandbagging. I think... I, I mean, I still think they have a good car, even though it's not as good as they claim they would like it to be. It's hard to say because they might be lying to us. But you know what I'm saying. I do think Mercedes is still a competitive car. I don't think it's as competitive as they would like, and I do not think they're sandbagging. So Ferrari, get those hopes up. Speaking of the Ferrari 1-2 that Lewis Hamilton claims is a high possibility, hopes are as high for Ferrari right now as they have been in many years, as I said. Based on their preseason success, I don't think two Ferraris atop the podium is far-fetched at all. Can you imagine the Tifosi if this happens? I think Marinello might burn to the ground. If Ferrari get a 1-2 or if they even just have two cars on the podium, it's going to be like the ultimate this-is-our-year year. And I think social media will be very fun. I think Formula Dank and all the memes we're going to get are going to be absolutely incredible. Mattia Binotto, stay on meme alert because you're about to get heavily memed if Ferrari have a good showing this weekend. Spinotto no more, potentially. The master bland and all the other Mattia Binotto memes. I'm so excited to watch the Ferraris. There's so much hype for them. Their car is beautiful. Their car is incredible. I love the, the black uh, wings that they've added in. Change the color up a little bit. Not just all red. You know, spice it up a little bit. I, I gave them a respectable, I think I gave them fourth place in my livery ranking. It's respectable, you know, especially considering it's not that, it's, it, it's not like they changed up that much from last year, you know. It's just usually red, but they added in the black, which I like. So very excited for Ferrari. They have an alien of a car. They have a bunch of money and they have two world-class drivers who, by the way, we're told that they are on even footing. Ferrari told their drivers, we don't have a number one driver and number two driver. You are both our drivers. Um, I think that's good because 
if they were going to do a number one, number two, they probably make Charles Leclerc number one and signs number two. Um, and by the way, I will die on this hill. I do think Signs is a better driver than Charles Leclerc, despite general sentiment from others telling me I'm wrong. Everybody watch Carlos shock the world this season, okay? My man Carlos is going to have a great season this year. Very excited to watch him. He is my long shot for World Drivers Champion, Carlos Sainz. J-Bones, long shot, baby. My non-long shot pick, by the way, my actual pick, is just Lewis. Because as Toto said at the end of Drivers Survive Season 4, everyone has a target on their back this season. By And that target is what Mercedes are aimed at and intend to destroy. And I think Lewis is going to go absolutely berserk once their car is all figured out because he has such a chip on his shoulder. Despite the fact that he already has seven World Drivers Championships after last season, you can just tell he has such a chip on his shoulder and he has so much motivation to go out there and absolutely blow everybody else out of the water. And I really think he's going to do it once they get the car figured out, which who knows how many races that'll take. But it actually could be helped out if, if there is more parity this year, let's say like we get a Ferrari, a Red Bull, and uh, who else do I want to throw in there? And a Haas. Why not? What if we get a victory by each of those teams in the first five weeks? Makes it a lot easier for Mercedes to have a huge back end of the season if the points are being kind of spread around in the beginning. Just a thought. Speaking of Haas, another storyline. Will Haas... Be in the points this weekend, which is a place they have not been in quite some time. Haas have shocked the world this preseason, seemingly putting forth a car capable of competing with the big dogs. Haas have both an experienced driver in Kevin Magnussen and a promising youngster in Mick Schumacher to drive that promising looking car. And I really do think we're going to see Haas with multiple, many, points earning finishes this season and I think we have a great chance at seeing them in the points this very weekend as I predict there will be multiple retirements across the grid due to how new and not understood these cars are yet Uh, and I think that will thin the field out for Haas of course they could be one of the victims of this thinning out of the field by way of retirements but either way I think things are looking good based on what I've seen in preseason testing for Haas to get in the points this weekend Very exciting. Another storyline. I will be super interested, and I think we all should be, to see how rookie Guan Yu Zhou handles his first ever Formula One race. Despite having an awesome livery, I'm not too sure how fast Alfa Romeo's car will be this season, so that'll definitely be fun to see how the rookie does in this unknown car. By the way, if you haven't yet, check out my episode of the Formula Bone F1 show titled Get to Know Guan Yu Zhou for the whole backstory of the 2022 season's lone rookie on the grid. Check that out. Got a little bit of Guan Yu Zhou backstory in your life. And now the moment everybody's all been waiting for. J-Bone's top five. These are my predictions for the top five finishers on Sunday of the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix. This is tough to put out. Because none of us know anything, right? New regulations, new season, none of us know anything. And for all I know, Haas are going to have a 1-2 with Alfa Romeo taking third. I don't know. You don't know either. Don't act like you do. However, 
All that aside, it is my duty, my sworn duty as J-Bone to give you my predicted top five every single week for every race this season. So here I go. P5, George Russell. P4, Charles Leclerc. P3, Lewis Hamilton. P2, Carlos Sainz. And P1, Max Verstappen. Those are my picks for the top five finishers at the 2022 Bahrain Grand Prix. This episode of the Formula Bone F1 show is brought to you in part by my favorite leg garment manufacturers, Bird Dogs. Keen observers who are watching the YouTube right now will notice I'm wearing Bird Dogs joggers right now on my legs, and they feel absolutely amazing. I wear Bird Dogs shorts, pants, and joggers constantly. I love my joggers so much that I recently decided to always jog now instead of ever walking or running so that I can be a true joggers guy. I hope I don't ever get attacked by a wild animal because jogging probably won't cut it in terms of evading them. You probably need to do like a full-out sprint, you know, maybe some zigzagging thrown in there. But I'm too committed to jogging now because I love my Bird Dogs joggers so much that I will die in them if I have to, okay? Bird Dogs built-in underwear, yes, built-in underwear. Feels better on my skin than the finest cashmere and is also super breathable and does not bunch up like traditional underwear does. You can get Bird Dogs shorts, pants, and joggers with or without the built-in underwear, but I highly recommend getting it with because, well, if you've ever worn leg garments with built-in underwear, you know why. It feels amazing down there. Head to birddogs.com and get yourself the best shorts, pants, and joggers on planet Earth. And do not forget to use my code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, so that they throw in a free whistle tip football. I have it in front of me right now for watching the video. It's right here. It's amazing. Yes, I said whistle tip football. Bird Dog's whistle tip football is even better than those old Nerf Vortex Howler whatever you used to throw. And uh, you can probably throw Bird Dog's football over some mountains if you're strong enough. It is a great product. Go to birddogs.com right now. Load your card up with the best shorts, pants, and joggers available anywhere on planet Earth. Plug in promo code FBONE, F-B-O-N-E, to get that free whistling football and live happily ever after. That's birddogs.com, promo code FBONE. There's a link for that deal in the description of this episode. Thank you to Bird Dogs for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Next up, listen up, everybody. I have a major... Massive Formula Bone announcement. Listen up. This Formula One season, you will be getting more Formula Bone content than ever before. Rather than doing one podcast per race like I did last season, I will be doing two podcasts for each race this season. One race preview podcast dropping on the Thursday before each race and one race recap podcast dropping on the Monday right after each race. Every race is getting two podcasts because that's how much I love all of you out there and how much I think we all need to fully enjoy this Formula One season we have coming up, everybody. So right now, of course, this is the preview podcast dropping on a Thursday or sometimes even a Wednesday night. If I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, um, the Monday recap podcasts that you will be getting one this coming Monday will contain two main parts. First off, my thoughts on the Grand Prix that we all watched the previous day. 
And then me responding to voicemails left on the bone phone, the legendary bone phone by Formula One, or sorry, by Formula Bone F1 show listeners like yourself. So we're going to have every Monday episode will be my own thoughts on the Grand Prix and then me responding to your thoughts and playing your calls on the show. For those of you who aren't familiar, the Bone Phone is the Formula Bone hotline. The number to call is 1-833-200-0966. That number again is 1-833-200-0966. All you have to do is call that number and leave a message after the beep. Your call can be a question you want me to answer, your thoughts on the Grand Prix that you just want the world to hear, a conspiracy theory you have, you venting your anger at something that happened during the race. It is totally up to you. Just make it entertaining, and I will play it here every Monday on the Formula Bone F1 show. Now, international listeners, if you aren't able to call the hotline, no worries. Rather than calling, you can email me a voice memo to jared at bolandmedia.com. That's J-A-R-E-D at bolandmedia, B-O-L-E-N-M-E-D-I-A.com. Every Monday morning, I will take the best voicemails from the race weekend, play them on the show, and respond to them. This is a super interactive thing we're going to be doing here where you can get your voice heard by thousands of people out there in the world. It's going to be mad fun, you guys. I love responding to calls from the Bone Phone. Go on TikTok, check out all the past clips of Bone Phone calls. Some have been incredible. I love, love, love doing it. I'm so excited to be responding to your calls all season long at, from one 800-0966. And if you thought two podcasts per race was the only part of this major Formula Bone announcement, you are sorely mistaken, folks, because I am also announcing right now that along with getting two episodes of the Formula Bone F1 show per race this F1 season, you will also be getting multiple interactive Formula One sports talk live streams on Twitch per week. The exact details here are yet to be fully ironed out, but these live streams will consist of me in my race car bed responding live to questions and comments left by viewers in chat. Again, I'm trying to do a ton of interactive stuff with you guys this Formula One season with the Bone Phone, with the Twitch live streams. It's going to be so fun, guys. Get all your friends in here. Let's all enjoy this amazing 2022 Formula One season together. I'm so pumped. So pumped everybody. So follow me on Twitch now at Formula Bone to get notified whenever I go live. And of course, follow me on Twitter at Formula Bone to stay fully up to date with all things Formula Bone. I will soon be putting out weekly schedules on Twitter and IG stories for each week's F1 lineup of Formula Bone content. So get ready for an unreal season of Formula One and Formula Bone. J-Bone! Support for the Formula Bone F1 show is also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. With MyBookie, you already know you can bet on Formula One all season long, but it's also time to bet on college basketball because March is here and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your your shot and score big with MyBookie.ag while enjoying this year's nonstop college basketball action by entering MyBookie's My Bracket Contest. Predict winners in each round of the MyBookie My Bracket Contest for a chance to win one Bitcoin, currently valued around $41,000, a Doodle NFT, currently valued at over $50,000, and over $100,000 more in cash prizes. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner, 
are simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. MyBookie.ag is the place to be to make March Madness even more fun. Sign up today with MyBookie and use promo code FORMULA, F-O-R-M-U-L-A, to make your first deposit, earning a free entry into the My Bracket Contest, where you have a shot at winning the awesome prizes I just mentioned. Stipulations apply. Selections for the bracket will officially begin on March 13th and close tomorrow, March 17th at 12 p.m. So make sure you get your deposit in right now with code FORMULA to secure that free entry. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie using promo code FORMULA at mybookie.ag. Stipulations apply. Thank you to MyBookie for supporting the Formula Bone F1 show. Testing, three, four, nutsack, five, six. Okay, cool. Just making sure the mic was on Danny style because it is time for me to give my review of season four of Netflix's Drive to Survive. Given how insane the 2021 season was, it is no surprise that this was the most eagerly anticipated season of Drive to Survive yet. Even before its release, though, it was already being criticized by some members of the media with early access for over-dramatizing the sport, which has always been the biggest criticism that Drive to Survive gets, that it's taking an already dramatic sport and just needlessly making it far more dramatic than they need to because they're obviously appealing to non-F1 fans when they make the show. Here's how I see the debate surrounding Drive to Survive personally. F1 purists think the sport is dramatic enough as is and want the show to be more of a documentary of the season than to be edited for dramatic effect. On the other hand, F1 and the producers of Drive to Survive need the show to be as dramatic as possible within reason, of course, in order to get as many viewers and new fans into Formula One as possible. These two views are, of course, somewhat opposing and are why Drive to Survive kind of falls into this really interesting middle ground where it's overall documentary of the season, but of course, dramatized. It's important to remember that Drive to Survive as a show is not made to appease hardcore F1 fans, which is good because it does not do that. It is made to create new F1 fans, which worked on millions of people, including me. I came into Formula One from Drive to Survive. And it's also made to be entertaining television. So that's not to say that hardcore F1 fans cannot enjoy it, which they totally can, because there are unreal shots of F1 scenes and exclusive access and conversations that you can only find on Drive to Survive that if you're an F1 fan of any kind, you love. Now, the access that Drive to Survive gets is insane, right? Like the, the conversations they capture, the moments they capture are so good that F1 fans of all types can find some enjoyment in them. Now, if you're a hardcore fan, something you can do if you're not a huge fan of the way that Drive to Survive dramatizes some things, is you can make a little game out of it. You can kind of make a game by looking for inaccuracies that are in the show while you're enjoying some of the the more accurate scenes and conversations. So there's that for you. All that being said, here is my review of Drive to Survive Season 4. I liked Drive to Survive Season 4 a lot 
because of the incredible behind the scenes access it gives us, the beautiful cinematography, and the driver profiles that really humanize the personalities in Formula One, which only makes all of us love the sport more and brings in new fans to the sport, which we need. It's also an amazing way to get nostalgic and relive the hours and hours of excitement provided to all of us by the 2021 season of Formula One. However, I do wish Drive to Survive's producers would stay slightly truer to form in the future because I find that sometimes they dramatize events in ways that are unnecessarily inaccurate. Here are some instances of what I'm talking about here in season four. They edited Baku to make it look like Max won when in fact he suffered a tire blowout and scored zero points. They used Zanvoort crowd shots of Dutch fans and explicitly said that it was at the Red Bull ring. They explicitly said that Max won the sprint race in Monza when it was Valtteri Bottas who won that. They really wronged Bottas there. Um, and also, there were some more thrown in there as well, as, as well as many instances, by the way, of the producers playing team radio from one race over scenes from another race. So all that is to say that I do want a little less of that moving forward. I think it's just unnecessary. You know, like it, those scenes, if they just played the team radio from the scenes or the actual, you know, video, even if there's not audio to go along with it, you know, you don't, it's, you don't need to add Zanvoort crowd shots just to show Dutch fans going crazy and say it's at the Red Bull ring. The Red Bull ring had a huge Dutch section. Just show scenes from the Dutch section at the Red Bull ring. I don't understand why they had to go and show the Zanvoort Dutch crowd scenes while saying it was at the Red Bull ring. It was just weird to me. I think it's unnecessary, you know? Like, that's my main issue. Like I said, I loved season four. I thought it was amazing. It really, truly made me so nostalgic for the amazing season that was the 2021 season. But I do have that one issue. I, I think they should, to a degree, I don't have any issue really with them dramatizing the sport because like I said, it's necessary to bring new fans in and it makes it more entertaining television. Um, but I but I do think sometimes they go a little bit overboard there. But I'm not one of those Drive to Survive haters. I love Drive to Survive. It got me into the sport. I owe a debt to Drive to Survive. I think it's amazing. Um, just my take. So I need to talk about the Landy versus, Lando versus Danny relationship portrayed in season four of Drive to Survive. I saw a lot of people complaining that Drive to Survive manufactured the Landy ver Lando, I keep saying Landy. Who's Landy? Lando versus Danny drama. But I do not necessarily agree that it was totally manufactured. They definitely dramatized it a little bit, as Lando Norris has since said in an interview. That's not a shocker, though. We know Driver Survive likes to dramatize driver relationships. Um, and I think Lando's sarcasm played a role in making it even easier for them to dramatize that relationship because Lando is just sarcastic. But if you don't know Lando, you, don't, you think he might be being truthful and snarky. But also, I think there definitely was a rivalry between Lando and Danny, especially at the beginning of the season. You know, I think by the end of the season, they kind of petered out, especially after they got that one-two. Um, but I just think that they had this rivalry, but that it took a backseat to other rivalries in the public eye. And I think that Drive to Survive's access is making it so we're only really fully realizing the extent of that rivalry and that kind of contentious relationship between them now that Drive to Survive is out. 
you know, I think behind the scenes, they had this rivalry going and, and even some of the clips that they show, some of the things Lando says, so the meetings between Lando and Danny that we kind of get to be a fly on the wall for, like you can tell that there's a little bit of a rivalry going on there. I do not, I really don't think it was, it was as manufactured as some people on social media are saying. They definitely dramatize it a little bit. Obviously, they're driver survive. But I, I do think that, especially at the beginning of the season, Lando and Danny definitely had a rivalry going on. And it was not all as fun in games as it looks like it is more so now. Now, as far as Abu Dhabi goes and, and Driver Survives coverage of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, I legitimately, and I'm not too, I, I am man enough to admit this. I legitimately teared up at one point during the season finale of season four of Drive to Survive just because of how amazing of a job they did at properly portraying the different emotions on all sides of that controversial ending. I thought they did such a good job there. I also think they did a great job of playing Abu Dhabi right down the middle and not picking sides or calling for Michael Massey's head. Uh, they just said, hey, look, this is a controversial ending, and we're going to document how that controversial ending played out. However, my biggest issue that I have with their coverage of Abu Dhabi is that they did not include any story or footage or radio around the virtual safety car caused by Italian Jesus stopping on the track. The drama of Toto asking Michael Massey not to make the virtual safety car into a full safety car would have fit perfectly into the narrative they had of Red Bull repeatedly not catching brakes until the very end when they caught the biggest break of all time. So I was very shocked they did not include that. That would have been so good. But overall, aside from that omission, I think that the Abu Dhabi, cover, Abu Dhabi coverage in season four of Drive to Survive was incredibly good, made me emotional. I teared up. Oh, I might need to go home and watch that again because it just made me feel all the feelings I was feeling on that day in December all over again. This season of Drive to Survive's biggest winner in my eyes is Yuki Sonoda. He is hilarious, okay? Yuki is absolutely hilarious. I had no idea. He is so funny, and I'm so excited to be a Yuki fan this season. Uh, I think another winner was Susie Wolf. She had a phenomenal showing. We need more Susie Wolf in future seasons of Dry to Survive. She has great things to say. This season's biggest losers, fittingly, were the Mazepins. They came off somehow worse in the show than they do in real life, which is just impressive. I, I, they are so unlikable, especially Dimitri. Threatening to pull the plug on the sponsorship of Haas because Nikita stinks at driving. Oh, why is the car? Why is his car so bad compared to Mick's? They're like, dude, it's the same car. Nikita is just choking. Okay, bizarre. Some of my favorite moments from season four of Drive to Survive were as follows: Toto looking at the portrait photos taken of him and completely seriously saying, "I think there's a lot you need to Photoshop." <laughs> that was very funny and relatable. Another Totoism I loved was his absolutely absurd and specific breakfast order. Quote, ham and eggs with a little bacon and two slices of pumpernickel really well toasted so that they break. Yesterday, it was not enough. It has to be like a cookie. Butter, tomato, salt, espresso with lactose-free milk. The waitress's face, who he was saying this to, was hilarious. She was like, uh, what? 
What is this absurd order? And then Susie ordered like, oh, I'll have a, I'll have a coffee and, and eggs. <laughs> it was very, very funny contrast. I really wish that the waitress had just said to him, uh, sir, this is a Wendy's. That would have been unbelievable. An all-time moment in Formula One history. This season, I loved pretty much every word that came out of Yuki Snowda's mouth. Again, he is so funny. I had no idea that he was such a firecracker and such a great personality. And he is skyrocketing his way up to the top of the funniest people in Formula One. Very excited to see more Yugi Sonoda. <laughs> I just love how much he like complains. He's like, I don't want to work out. Working out ruins my entire day. Like You never hear that from a world-class athlete. You never do. So Lando's sarcasm was great all season long. Though I think he's so good at being sarcastic that a lot of people watching Drive to Survive who are new to F1 might think he's being serious, which makes it even more funny to me whenever he's sarcastic. I loved Lando being asked why Carlos left for Ferrari, and Lando just goes, pure cash. You know, maybe it's true, but I think he was kidding. Speaking of McLaren, my favorite B-roll clip of this season that was just thrown in, just random clip of video thrown in, was Daniel Ricardo randomly like wrestling and suplexing, <laughs> suplexing a boom mic in episode two. It was just such a random clip. They're just like showing, you know, the scenes surrounding the race weekend. And it just cussed Daniel Ricardo like <laughs> full WWE wrestling a microphone. It was so funny. I need to find that and repost it. I also loved watching Carlos and Charles Leclerc craft that text Carlos was sending Lando about his contract. It was so classic high school of them. Like, okay, I think I'm going to say this. What do you, what do you think if I text him this? It was unbelievable. Very high school girl. Also, I just realized that Carlos and Charles are the same name, just in two different languages. And they both are on the same team. Wild. Another moment uh, from this season that I loved Watching the Silverstone episode made me really nostalgic because that was the race after which I made my first ever piece of Formula One content, which was a breakdown of the crash between Lewis and Max and the discussion of the, ast of the aftermath of it. It was just nuts to be like, wow, this is the race from which I made that video that ended up with me being an F1 content creator. It was wild. Another thing I loved from the season was Gunter climbing the mountain. I thought those were really cool scenes that they had of Gunter's trip to the top of that mountain. And uh, Gunter, of course, also gave us maybe the quote of the season about Nikita Mazepin. And it was, quote, that's why people hate you. It's time for some shout outs, folks. Shout out to Formula Bones new video intern, Michael Heim, who has been crushing social media clips these past two weeks. Slide into my DMs, by the way, if you have video experience and are interested in a Formula Bone video internship. Shout out, as always, to everyone in the Formula Bone Discord, which you can join via the invite link I've placed in the description of this episode. DM me, by the way, if you want to be shouted out here and the shout outs I do at the end of the episode. Before I get going, I'd like to run you through the links that I've placed in the description of this episode. You can chat with me as I live stream myself talking Formula One, playing the F1 video game, and opening packs of F1 trading cards, one box of which I have here next to me that I'll be opening soon. It's the 2021 Topps Chroma Light box. You can do all that at twitch.tv slash formulabone. 
You can help support the Formula Bone F1 show financially by buying Formula Bone merch at bowlingmedia.com slash shop. You can support the show financially in an even greater capacity by supporting any and all of today's sponsors. Shop Felix Grey Glasses risk-free with free shipping, returns, and exchanges at felixgrayglasses.com slash fbone. Shop Bird Dogs at birddogs.com with promo code FBONE for a free whistletip football with your order of the best shorts, pants, and joggers on the planet. And bet Formula One and March Madness with MyBookie using promo code FORMULA at mybookie.ag for entry into the My Bracket contest. Stipulations apply. You can join the 200-plus member Formula Bone Discord server with the invite link that I've placed in the description of this episode. And again, every link I just mentioned you can find in the description of this episode, wherever you are listening or watching it right now. You can follow me, J-Bone, everywhere on social media at Jared Borislow. That is J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. And if you're wondering, Twitter is my main personal social media account. So if you're going to follow my personal account anywhere, do it on Twitter. I'm verified, not a brag. And if you're now all caught up on the Formula Bone F1 show, but when I keep hearing my voice, I co-host a comedy podcast called the Ross Bolin Podcast, where we share a ton of laughs covering a very wide variety of topics that includes, but is not limited to, current events, non-F1 sports like football, music, food, funny news stories, cool animals, and so much more, while also diving in to some mental health discussion as well. If you like this podcast, I promise you will love that podcast. You can check out the Ross Bolin Podcast, R-O-S-S-B-O-L-E-N wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. It's time, folks, for the NPR-style sign-off. The Formula Bone F1 show is recorded in Austin, Texas, and brought to you by Bolin Media. It's hosted by me, Jared J. Bone Borislow, and I also produce the show because I'm a content machine. Kate Orris, Michael Heim, and I make all the podcast clips that you see on social media at Formula Bone. If you have video experience, like I said, Hit me up. Maybe you can become a Formula Bone video intern. Our iconic theme music and Twitch stream music is by 7 to Midnight. You can follow him on social media at the number 7 T-O Midnight. You can follow the show on social media by following at Formula Bone everywhere. You can watch the show on YouTube by searching Formula Bone. And you can help the show gain new listeners by rating and reviewing the Formula Bone F1 show on Apple Podcasts by rating it on Spotify. You can also share the show with your friends. Until next time, folks, J-Bone!